Welcome back to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. My name is Ali Salama, and as the Middle East's mental health ambassador, it is my honor and pleasure to have you on board the world's exclusive youth leadership podcast on empathy and community building. Today, we have one of my favorite personal friends and a very unique guest on the show by the name of Pablo Gonzalez. Pablo is obsessed with human connection and he's used his expertise to manage a 120 person, $50 million construction business at 25 years old, building various young professional groups for charities and is named a Latino leader of the future by Latino Leaders Magazine and a top 20 under 40 for Brickle Magazine. He is now a professional speaker and the founder and chief executive connector at Connect with Pablo, a content marketing and community creation agency providing that community creation is the future of business development. More so than anything, he is dying to be your friend. I don't know why Pablo you're making me read this, but without further ado, this is Pablo Gonzalez, one of my favorite friends. Let's dive deep into the show with Pablo. This episode is brought to you by Empowering Media. Empowering Media is a Canadian boutique social media agency delivering results to purpose-driven changemakers and social enterprises in our global community. Hashtag create to empower to join the movement. Welcome back to Empathy Always Wins. Um, today, we have a very, very, very special guest and a very close friend of mine uh, by the name of Pablo Gonzalez. Um, it is actually very refreshing to have someone like him on the world's exclusive youth leadership podcast on empathy and community building, bearing in mind that he is one of the most um, profound community builders I have met. Um, and this story that we're just about to share is evident uh, of that. Uh, I met Pablo, I believe, not more than a, a month and a bit ago, and in no time, I found myself pulling out my credit card and booking a ticket to go spend a weekend with him. And typically, that has never happened in my life. But without further ado, I'd love, I'd, I'd love you to take a floor, Pablo, and kind of give a little bit of an intro about yourself, because uh, you are one, 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 one hell of a person, in my point of view. Yeah, first I gotta, first I gotta sing your name, bro. Ali Salama, Ali Salama. I'm so pumped to be, I'm so pumped to be on with you, man. Uh, thank you, Ali, man. I really appreciate you offering me your stage you uh putting me in front of your audience man you know that i don't take that lightly thank you no again you know like you said right my name is uh pablo gonzalez i am a quintessential miamian i was born in venezuela my dad's cuban i moved to miami when i was a kid then we moved to spain then we came back and i grew up there when i was nine and um i'm obsessed with community creation i'm the most american person in my family and my first formative memory is walking into preschool, being the only kid that didn't speak English and feeling like this outsider that has to figure out how to fit in. And luckily, there was a, another kid that spoke Spanish, Jose Garrido. He became my best friend. But then a year later, we moved to Spain and I enrolled in a British school and I thought I knew Spanish and English and I did not understand the Spanish Spanish dialect and I didn't understand the British English. And I felt back in that same situation again. So from a really young age, I've just been obsessed with how to connect, how to get on the inside when you're a quintessential outsider. And that's just guided my life. And it's kind of become my skill set, which has allowed me to succeed in life with what I used to call really crappy work ethic, right? So I've been working on the work ethic thing late in life now, but the people skills have just gotten me everywhere, man. And I just really, really believe in it. Yeah, um, I, I truly believe that as well. You you must have picked up a lot of emotional intelligence on the road while doing all that. I mean, I I'll be very honest with you. I'm not, I don't mean to you know blow smoke up your back end, but like I I truly believe that you know when we met, something that really compelled me about you was um, the way you were able to connect in a very authentic and a very um, intelligent way, uh, and, and, and didn't feel anything other than very 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 natural and very genuine so how do you think you've built that and how i truly believe this is one of the biggest skill sets for leaders out there especially in an age where people just put or hide under masks and facades so how do you how did you how are you able to build that 
Ali, that uh, that skill set has just really evolved, man. Like I remember when I used to fly from, we used to come back from Spain to Venezuela and Miami a couple times a year. And at one point with my family, we were five, I sat by myself and an old guy sat next to me. And at that point, I just talked him up. And within a couple of hours, he was buying me a Toblerone, right? So I realized, man, if I can, if I can create relations, as a young kid, I mean, I was like six years old. This is an eight-hour flight. This is before pre-flight entertainment. Imagine walking into like a, a, a seat on your plane and you look and you see some six-year-old as an adult. You're probably just like, this is going to be the worst flight of my life. But I was, able to, I was able to start up a conversation, get going with him. As soon as I started kind of expressing what I was into and things like that, the guy was buying me candy, right? And then right afterwards, he was getting up and talking to my parents saying, you know, how are you raising this kid? How is he, how, how is he such a good communicator? And from there on out, the idea of connection was a, was a selfish one at that point, right? I was like, oh, if I, can, if I can talk up an adult, I can get mine, right? Like, what else can I get them to buy me? And as I, as I grew older, being the kid that could talk to adults, I always thought, kind of like you, right? I, I love the stage. I love being the center of attention. And then at a certain point in my 20s, I realized in order to retain that attention, in order to continue being somebody that that people want to be close to you need to be of service right you need to you need to start being valuable to others not just being entertaining not just being manipulative and i just learned that through iteration man one of the biggest things that that affected my life was getting really involved in in nonprofits and when i was like i love your platform of of youth leadership youth empowerment right because i I really got very, very lucky that at some point in my 20s, I got a best, an email from my best friend saying that Habitat for Humanity wanted to start a young professionals group in Miami because young professionals were not very engaged in Miami. And there, there was this like horrible numbers about like um, people that were from 22 to 35, just not being part of any kind of philanthropies. And they wanted to start this effort. And starting that group set me on this whole path of understanding the value of people that care about more than just themselves, right? Miami is a really flaky city, right? Like it's kind of like, it's got some wonderful, wonderful things, great culture, but it's also a place that a lot of people move to for a party scene. A lot of people that grow up there are jaded by that party scene. So getting into, getting into this young professional groups of people that some were from there, some weren't, but everybody was there just not just for themselves, but also working on something else. It was very apparent to me that people that are, that want to serve are of a different cut. Right. So that felt really, really good. Mm-hmm. And as, as that world progressed, right, we started this young professionals group. Then I got on the board of Habitat Then I got on the board of other charities. I started young professional groups for other charities. And as things started progressing, you, in the nonprofit philanthropic world, you have to go to a lot of networking events. There's a lot of cocktail parties and, and networkers and galas and different things. And at a certain point, I'm like, man, you know, why am I only good at speaking to other guys kind of around my same age that like the same things? Like, how can I, how can I speak to more people? And that's when I started observing. I had a buddy called uh, Oscar Lopez who's a commercial banker, right? So this is what they do, right? Like they just like meet with people, they try to figure out, yeah. they try to figure out what your pain points are and how they can solve it, right? <laughs> and how and, they can make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, he was coming from a very benevolent angle, but I, I, I would be, I would be at a table with him trying to like talk up my same usual rhetoric. And, um, and I'd see him just sit down and, in a, in a concerning, put like a concerning look on his face and talk to like older people and women or whatever. It's like, so how's business? You know, like, tell me, tell me about, uh, tell, tell me about how things are going. How can I help? And, and I just realized how much better that connected. And I immediately just flipped at that point. And I was like, Oh, this whole relationship building thing is not about me. It's about the person that I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, while I, while I've always naturally had the, the flair for entertainment and, 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 and being funny and, and, and being somebody that can call attention, you know, there's more than one way to get attention. And the most sustainable way to get attention is being valuable to other people and being authentic with other people so that they can open up to you. Yeah, it reminds me of the Chris Voss's vo- uh, book, um, uh, you know, N- uh, Never Split the Difference. Yeah, I love that book. 
Yeah, I think it was all about, you know, uh, making sure that you, when you approach somebody, you approach them from, from the emotional intelligent, um, stand, from an emotionally intelligent standpoint and kind of like putting, deploying empathy in a very tactical way. And it's funny that now we're talking about that in that sense, because I remember when you listened to Georgina's episode one, you were talking yeah. to me about like, <laughs> where's uh, where's strategy empathy's data uh, Dude, that blew my mind when she said that right because i'll be honest with you man this is my my genuine genuine authenticity and the way that i come across today if like now it's natural to me but it is a learned skill right like yeah. i i as the youngest in my family i came up pretty privileged right like i was kind of a spoiled little kid right like i was used to just getting mine and the way that i got mine was by like being the person that i needed to be in order yeah. to get mine right and 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 as i've and as i've gotten older it, it's been through certain aha moments where i'm just like no man it's not it's not just about like trying to adapt to every situation it's about being yourself constantly in every situation and and that and that authenticity draws the right people to you. Yeah. I like I like to tell people, right? Like I like to I like to tell people that I have two KPIs in life, right? Like for my physical KPI is how many times a week I'm surfing, but my but my happiness KPI is how often I get a phone call from a random person asking me for random advice about something I never thought that I was capable of giving advice on. And wow. And that started happening to me more and more the more I became authentic. And at a certain point, and, and it was, I just realized it was happening, right? It wasn't like I was doing this so that people would come to me. But at a certain point when it was happening a lot, I started asking people, I'm like, hey man, why are you, th thank you, you know, like I'm so happy that you call me and I, and I gave them all the advice. And at the, end of the, at the end of that phone call or at the end of that meeting, I would ask, so what is it about me that made you want to ask me about how to get along better with your grandmother or how to change careers or how to, you know, like all these random things people were asking me for. And every single person to a T would just tell me, you know what, man, you just seem like a really authentic dude that doesn't judge anybody. Yeah. You know, and I don't, right? Like I, I really, I really don't judge people, man. Like I, I, I definitely feel that I have been so blessed in life with my family and with the opportunities that I've gotten with whatever genetics I have that makes my brain work well, that makes me, you know, <laughs> a fast thinker and I can speak. I wish I was a little bit more athletic like you, no big deal. <laughs> right. But, but, but whatever, man, I feel, I feel so lucky. I love in life. you. Yeah. I love you too, bro. <laughs> I, I just feel so lucky in life that, that, I just can't judge people, right? Like I used to, yeah. I don't know if you know who Ted Kaczynski is, right? But he's the, the Unabomber. I don't know if you remember that. There was this guy that was like mailing people mm -hmm. um, bombs in the mail back in like the early 90s. And at one point I used to tell people, you know, this guy was like an MIT grad, genius, mathematician guy. And he just kind of went off the deep end and started becoming a, a domestic terrorist. And I used to tell people, I'm like, man, if Ted Kaczynski had my parents, he'd be the president of the US. He wouldn't be the Unabomber. You know, so I just, I just have a really hard time holding people to, to standards that like I, that I don't hold myself to, or, or, or just, just holding them to whatever standard I decree on them because mm -hmm. I don't know what path they have walked. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of a double-edged sword because sometimes my issue is I won't have enough boundaries with people and I, and I don't hold people to a certain standard. And I'm very, very, very forgiving, but it also has a really, really positive benefit in that. People just feel really comfortable around me, man. Yeah. I, I want to take that um, and, and build up a little bit um, on it here because I know that uh, gratitude is something you deploy a lot. It was very evident in, in the mastermind that we were together at that you hosted, you and, and Jason. Um, could you please touch a little bit more on how you deploy gratitude and what acumen and how does it actually, how has it shaped you? But also talk a little bit more about the mastermind because that it wasn't, for, for me, it was the first mastermind I ever attended. And it was an epitome of, of, of community building and, and connecting with people of similar walks of life, yet very different perspectives on, on many things. Um, how did you come up with that? How did you start conceptualizing that? Many of our listeners don't really know what a mastermind is or how to start a mastermind. Could you give us a little bit more of an insight on that? Yeah, sure, man. So I'll, I'll go real quick at the gratitude thing. I, and, then I'll, and then I'll get into the whole mastermind thing because there's a good story there. I don't know how to not be grateful 
right? Like I, I, I don't know how to coach someone on gratitude except for to just have the perspective that there is always somebody that has it worse than you. Like always, 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 there's always going to be that man. And in every situation that you're in, there's a silver lining, right? Like it's, I'll be honest, man, I find it very easy for me to say because for the first 34 years of my life, I never had an issue that I didn't create for myself, right? So, so I, I, I just, that I got very lucky to be blessed with that upbringing and that has made me a profoundly positive person. And now that gratitude is a thing and people like recognize it and whatever, mm-hmm. it's come into my consciousness and I realize, oh, okay, that's why things always go well for me. I've just never thought it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even though there's moments where there's been different crossroads where I could have gone a completely different path. I believe that my gratitude, my, my outlook on always believing the, the positive people in the positive situations is the reason why I can sit here and tell you that I've done really well in my life without a lot of work ethic, right? So, but I don't really know how to deconstruct that, to be perfectly honest, right? I just feel very lucky that I was born with, in, in, in the scenario that I was born with, right? Makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, right, I think, and I'll, and I'll talk more tactically about the mastermind, but what was the ongoing theme in the mastermind that everybody kept saying? Everybody kept saying, wow, how did you manage to bring these people together? How did you curate this room in a way that everybody fit in so seamlessly with each other, right? Like people kept saying that. And to be honest with you, I didn't curate anything, man. I just, I, I, I firmly believe that because I am always speaking about community and gratitude and positivity and the need to like value the other person. I draw people around me that care about that stuff and therefore the right people come together around me. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, so take that gratitude thing, take whatever you're about and just really just do it to the max, right? Like just how you are about mental health. You are not going to attract people around you that don't value mental health, that don't value empathy, that don't value the connection and the community that you're trying to build around you because you're always talking about it. Right. So uh, on, on, on that, on that first tip, like I just really believe that I guess now they say you attract what you, what you manifest or what, you know, whatever, whatever it is you manifest people. I just really, really believe that if you are, always seeking something and announcing what you're seeking. It's like a beacon, bro. So like, you know, people are going to come around you. Things are going to come around you that attract it. The mastermind. Man, like I just, in November, my, uh, so my, my parents got this house in North Carolina. We went up there for, for Thanksgiving I shot a picture to Jason and Jason's like, dude, we should do an event there. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Right. Um, And what a mastermind is, right? So a mastermind in the book, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, who chronicled Andrew Carnegie's life, right? One of the big um, railroad tycoons of of, uh, the United States. He basically deconstructs what made him so successful. And Andrew Carnegie would always talk about that what has made him really, really successful is this mastermind of people that he has around him, right? Like he would always have these like 12 people that were like his board of directors that he called his mastermind. And because he had that community, he was always able to stay on track and, 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 and get the ideas that he didn't know, right? Like I think he was like an undereducated guy and he would get challenged like, well, well you, didn't, you didn't study this, so how are you able to do it? He's like, I don't need to study something where I can just call somebody and have him give me the advice. Right. And, and, and know how to act. For me, the concept of a mastermind was completely foreign two and a half years ago. But what I realized in, in my philanthropic days, right, like in, in, in my young professional days, was that I had set up similar structures like that in order to create these young professional groups. Right. So um, for the event itself and notice how I, I rarely, like I kept calling it a retreat. I kept, I kept calling it like a, like a business gathering because I'm kind of, I think that the mastermind word is kind of overplayed, but it, it really comes down to getting a group of people together in a room that care about a specific thing, opening up about what you're trying to do and then allowing for the feedback to come in. Right. Mm-hmm. So what we did was three days of, Everybody that was in that room was an entrepreneur that had been known for something in the past and is trying to evolve their message into something more 
uh, fitting to where they want to go in the future. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm, I've been trying to do that for a while, right? Like I'm like, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you're always doing that, which is kind of the rub there, right? Like, like there is no, I, I, I realize that everybody I talk to that's an entrepreneur is in that moment. And it's not because their business doesn't work and it's not because they're not happy. It's just because as an entrepreneur, that's what the fuck you do. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like you're yeah. just all, you're always looking for the angle, man. You're always looking for the in, right? So the idea came to me that, man, you know, I've been, I know that a lot of people that I talk to that are trying to like be known for something, for some big idea. I'm always like, dude, you need to go hard at a Ted talk, right? Like you need to try to get on a Ted stage because I try to deconstruct. I try to think where I want to be in 10 years. And then I try to think where can I be? How can I get there in one year? Right. Mm -hmm. And when, and when I'm talking to people who are like, well, I want to be a professional speaker. Usually my advice is, if you want to be a professional speaker, the number one like black swan moment that you can have is to get on a TED, get on a TED stage and have that thing go viral. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if it doesn't go viral, having a video of you on a TED stage and the validation and the branding that comes behind being a TED speaker is still a major, major accelerator to, to whatever you, whatever stage you want to get on. Yeah. So the, the idea was I've been working on mine. I figured it'd be valuable for anybody that is in this space to want to put together a TED Talk. So I challenged everybody to show up with a TED Talk of what they want to be known for in 10 years, right? And I really honestly didn't know how that was going to go, right? Like, I, I didn't know if people were going to show up like, whoa, I just thought I was coming to a vacation in North Carolina. But everybody took it really seriously, right? Yeah. Again, you're a, um, you, you attract the people that, that, that you bring around you. And then from there, after we announced it, I wanted to go from – I strategically put that as the first activity of the weekend so that everybody saw you as that, right? Like there is, there is really big value to being seen on a stage. So I wanted everybody to be on a stage in front of everybody else and declare who they are and what they want to be in 10 years. So that from there on out, our perception of each other was that person. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I wanted to deconstruct how to get there. So we went from where you'll be in 10 years to, to zero where Jason led his, values-based decision-making, right? So like we created the framework of the values that are non-negotiable um, in, order to, in order to get to whatever you want to do. Then after that, had our lunch, we went on the hike. I wanted that. Oh, I'm sorry. After the TED Talk, we go on a hike, right? Because I, I envisioned the TED Talk, everybody declare themselves. And then on this like long two-hour hike, I knew what, would, what happened would happen, right? I knew that people would kind of break off into different groups as we were walking around and we'd all get quality time with each other, kind of getting to know each other better in a casual, beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. So after that, we had our values-based decision-making workshop. So create the framework of the values that you want. After that, the next day, we had our lifestyle by design, right? So you know where you want to go. You know your values. How do you design a life around those values to get there? And after that, man, I've just been super into this category design and category king concept as a way to brand yourself. So I took a shot and I, I held that, that workshop about category design, which is essentially teaching people how to communicate uh, the person that they want to be without overcomplicating it and by being different instead of better than whatever came before them. And I thought that that ended up being really, really, really useful. Um, so, you know, we just designed a curriculum of three days around calling your shot and then reverse engineering how to get there. And I thought it went really well, man. Yeah, it did. It did. And, and you know what? Um, I, part of my great experience was like, I want to see how you guys are going to take it forward so that even not only our listeners, like everyone from everyone else's circle knows how they can be involved or how they can be eligible to be involved, right? Because a big yeah. thing with the masterminds isn't like, you're not making it secret or private. You're just making it very, very, very well curated. And people have to be eligible to be in and I think that that's that that's a little bit of an excitement for anybody that wants to be involved in any sort of uh, development or growth spurt, right? Yeah. Um, and I really, really, really admire that. So that's something that I personally never had in my life. And you know, it, as a 23 year old, being the youngest there, with surrounded by really, really, really cool people, I kind of felt, uh, you know. I, at first I was intimidated, but then I was just like, dude, Ali, just be yourself, be a kid. And like, I think I was just like singing a lot there and everyone, yeah. and <laughs> everyone jived and uh, that was really cool. But it taught me a lot about, you know, 
who you are because I think what I'm going to touch on in specific moments, I think those were the moments that made uh, the entire mastermind. And yeah, while professional growth is very important for me, I think when we, when me, you and Jason, you know, uh, sent that prayer to your brother, I think that was very, very, very profound to me. And I'd love for you to touch a little bit more on how that weekend specifically was special for you. Man. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, right, I didn't have any problems that I didn't create for myself till I was about 33, man. And around 33, 34, I don't remember what age I was, but my brother, who is uh, eight and a half years older than me, got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, he fought that battle for two years, and then he passed. And in his, in his funeral um, was, a, like, the moments of his funeral and, and right after were very profound moments for me. Um, because, number one, 1200 people showed up to his funeral and that just, it just blew my mind. Right. And, um, that, that feeling of support from community, uh, was just so, so valuable to all of us that I just could not get out of my mind how valuable community is and, and, and what we would have done without having a community around us. Right. So, and then everybody that reached out to me, after that, after, after my brother's funeral and, and, and the time after that. And it was a lot of people that I now have really amazing relationships with. Like one of my, one of my best mentors right now is somebody that reached out to me during that period and everybody to a T would tell me, Hey man, just wanted to reach out to tell you that your brother was a guy that I always loved because he just brightened up a room. He was always the guy that was looking to bring people together. He was always the guy that made every situation he was in more enjoyable and it really profoundly hit me because that is something I really really value right that's something that you know like that's how I describe myself right and I've always described myself that way and it's just something I never gave my brother credit for right like as as my my brother being eight and a half years older than me gave me some really valuable perspective in life right like seeing somebody go through it and having the perspective of just like okay well I don't want to I don't want to make this mistake and I don't want to make that mistake. And I like what he did here as a sibling. You're so close to it that you really, you really harp in on like the, the mistakes that they made and not, and not give them the, the credit for the things that they do well. And at that, at that exact moment, it, it really hit me that if I didn't catch this. If I did not realize that my brother was this guy to other people, that my brother had this amazing quality that I admire so much. And he was the best man at my wedding, right? Like, like it's not like if I wasn't close to him, like I, I really loved him, but I was really hard on him. Then what am I missing from other people around me? What have I not learned from my one uncle who I think is a fuck up? What have I not learned from that one friend of mine that I just think he's kind of a jerk? What have I, you know what I mean? Like, like it was just, it's, it, it, it really just washed over me on what am I missing around me? If this was so obvious to everybody else, um, it brought 1200 people out to a funeral. Like, what am I missing, man? So I just really started deconstructing number one, how to create community. And it brought me back to that young professional groups, right? Like these young professional groups, what we did, we were tasked with creating networkers and volunteering events and, and eventually um, bigger events. And all we did was take 10 to 15 people in a room and we invite one of the board members from the, from the, from the young, from the philanthropy that was on the big board, not the young professional board. And when we would be at our planning meetings, that person would show up, they would tell us about their career, give us some advice, we'd get to pick their brains, and then we'd have our meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And, and that, 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 that mechanism of having somebody share with you what they've learned through life, and then have people ask questions, okay, well, this is what I'm trying to learn, just really started bringing us together, and, and then working on like putting events on together. Mm -hmm. um, and that just became really, really successful. And we started really recruiting. I would start recruiting people for these charities saying, Hey, listen, man, cool. The charity is awesome. I love the charity, but here's the deal in Miami. People are flaky. And if you want to be around people that care about a little bit more than, more than themselves, then this is where it's at. Whether you grew up here and you got, you know, you're disillusioned with it or where you're new to town, this is where you want to meet people that aren't going to, that aren't going to like turn around on you when, when, when you don't need them. And this is how we prove it. Cause we provide all this value. Right. So then fast forward to our fast forward to 
I left the construction industry that I was in. I left Miami and I joined this software company where I jumped on what I call a burning ship, right? Like the, the CEO had just gotten in a really big public fight with his biggest affiliate that was kind of like fragmenting his customer base. The software wasn't really working and I didn't really know that because I was just looking for like a super cool opportunity to be the VP of business development for like a startup software and not be in construction. And the, the head developer quit two weeks after I got there the head, um, you know, software developer quit. And then like a couple months later, one of the old customers started a software that was one-to-one of, uh, exactly competing with ours and partner oh, wow. with that and partner with that. Yeah. And partner <laughs> with that old affiliate that was poaching customers from us, right. That, that she had brought in half our customers. So in the first couple of months I was there, we went from 500 users to 300 users, me as VP of business development. It was not a good look, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and my original plan, because I got him on this whole like community creation for business development thing, my original plan was this business plan that I made about creating events just like I had done for the young professionals where I, where I create these like um, panels in different cities and go around. I, there's actually a, a company in Toronto that's doing this really well. It's called FreshBooks. It's an accounting software. I would, I would suggest you reach out to them. Uh, Paco Arismendi, man, he's, he's doing a really good job of this community creation thing. Um, I'll but, take you up on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll intro you, man. But when I got there and we lost our users, the budget for that is gone, right? So, so <laughs> I, was, I, I was forced to figure out, man, well, how do I do this without, without traveling around and bringing the people together in person? And I realized, you know, our 12... Um, highest level users of the software made up about 30% of our recurring revenue at this point. So I couldn't lose any of those people. So I'm like, all right, man, if I'm going to bring these people in, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I do. I'm just going to make them friends with each other and, uh, and make them, and make them stick around. You can, <laughs> you can change software, but you can't change friends. Right. Yeah. So, so I reached out to them. I told them, listen guys, we're going to, every other week, we're going to have this call where we're all going to get together on a zoom call. Me and my partner, we're going to give you some kind of content, either what we're seeing in the Amazon ecosystem. I'm going to teach you some concepts. In fact, I, I literally was like, in one of the calls, I had just read Never Split the Difference. So I did like a workshop on negotiation based on what I learned in Never Split the Difference. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then we're just going to go around the table and be like, all right, man, what are you struggling with, right? So, and that's what we started doing, man. And and within within a couple of weeks, everybody got real comfortable with each other because when you're just kind of, learning a little bit together and then and then you're like hey loretta what are you struggling with and she's like oh, i can't get my virtual assistants to like stay on with me i keep losing him and i'm like oh uh emmanuel you're really good at managing a, a remote team how do you keep them on and you give her advice and then like a month later loretta will be on the call like guys i implemented what emmanuel said and it's working thank you so much within three months they were like all best friends like i'll, I'll never forget wow. this. like yeah it was crazy this is, like, this is, this is profound this is profound. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and by the way, that's a mastermind, right? Like that's kind of what a mastermind is. I just didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know that concept back then. Um, so at one point, this like Serbian guy that was super cold just kind of opened up and was like, to start the call, like we were finishing a call and he's like, Hey guys, I just want to say that you guys have all really become my friends. Like I, I, I've been so lonely at the top here. Like I teach everybody how to sell online and I've never had peers and I'm so grateful for this. So at that point I'm like, dude, we need to have a live event. So I booked this like hotel in Panama and, and I thought I had just been to Panama. So I'm like, all right, I took this tour of the Panama canal. I'm like, this is interesting because it kind of relates to Amazon. So booked this place in Panama. I took him salsa dancing a couple nights. We toured the Panama canal and kind of like we did in North Carolina, I presented a structure around which way we're going to share our business. Right. So mm-hmm. I did a SWOT analysis for everybody. I had them all present like everything they're using, what they've learned, what they need help with. And out of that one, we realized, number one, everybody really gelled right at that point because they had all been building this relationship online, right? Because online is the new way of community building and the new way of creating connection. Yeah. And, then you bring <laughs> together, and then you bring them together and it's exponential, right? So like that alchemy between being able to make friends online and then bring it into the real world, man, that's where the magic really, really happens, as you know. So, <laughs> at, at this, uh, so at this event, everybody really gels and we realized, dude, everybody here really is good at one thing in their business. And to my business partner's credit, he then took all those advice and applied it into his store and our sales went up by like 300%. Wow. So, so, we created a, so we created a course around it called the business of e-com and we sold this course at like 5,000 bucks a pop, created a huge fundraise for like paying for the software and whatever. And then the next step was, dude, we're going to invite these people to Jacksonville. We're going to put them on stage as the experts and we invited the, the customer base. So now we had a full event, right? Like we had a full three day 
how to sell online event where we have speakers that, that were our customers. So we're positioning them to become coaches inside our ecosystem. Everybody, you know, on those recorded calls of people being like, Oh, I have this problem. And then two weeks later saying, dude, you fixed it. That became our digital marketing strategy, right? So it's like, Hey, do you have this issue? And you see somebody saying, Oh, I have a problem with VAs. And then you're like, Oh man, with our software, we're not just software, we're a community and we help people out. And then it's another clip of her saying, Oh my God, thank you so much for giving me that advice. It totally fixed my problems. So people would take this free trial, come into our Facebook group, realize that this person sat in some kind of like cool club at the top of the customer ecosystem that we were sharing secrets with. And then, Oh, I can go meet them in six months and pick their brain myself. It just created this perfect customer. Wow. It created a per- perfect customer ladder, man. And, and, and it solved our problems. So, wow. you know, that, that's kind of the evolution of me taking the mastermind concept, which I didn't know before. And the lessons that I learned from how valuable creating community was from my brother's passing. And the idea that, everybody around you has some kind of value and you can share that, right? There's this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, in my travels, every man I meet is in some way my superior and in that I can learn from them, right? So that means everybody's unique. Everybody's walked their own path and learned something different that you haven't learned. So if you get really, really good at figuring that piece out, then you're able to just amass value at scale. And if you can put that value on a, on, on a stage, then you're going from one to many, right? So taking that lesson from my brother and being like, dude, everybody really does have something that I can learn from no matter how close I am to them, no matter how much I think I haven't figured out, there's something that I haven't seen inside somebody. Mm -hmm. So I became singularly obsessed with that, right? And like figuring out what, what makes people tick and then how to communicate that to not just the person next to them, but to everybody around and doing that aggregates community real quick, man. So that's, basically what I do now for my business, right? I left that software. Now I implement that program for companies and I use these like interaction points where there's Q and A's, you know, we create programming that adds value to their customer base by figuring out who in their clientele has something to offer other people or who in the company's network has some good advice for people or who inside the employees has good advice for the clientele, right? Like make it valuable content for the people that are in your client base so that you hold their attention. And then right after that, you go into open Q and A's where anybody can ask anything they want and you answer it transparently and you repurpose all that content across all the different mediums. And it just very quickly builds this like ball of attention and your customers start seeing you as your center point for community instead of just some product that you're using. Yeah. Look, I think that like you, you really hit many, many points here on the head. Um, but my question is to, 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 for me, even listening, like what tools do you use? What tools do you use to glue everything together? Like I get the whole sort of art of now community building and, and, and I call you a master connector in my point of view, but, but, but how do you like, could you walk us through a little bit of like the nitty gritty? Like if, if I were to walk out of this episode, I, I would want to know what tools I can use now that I know, Oh, I can host an event here. I can, I can, I can glue people with Facebook groups, but like, do you use LinkedIn? Like yeah. if you were, if you were to tactically merge all those, all the glue together to the pieces, can you just throw some stuff at us so we can understand how you do it? Yeah, man. LinkedIn, what's really working really well for me on LinkedIn. And I think you've seen this by now is that when I meet somebody interesting, and I find what they're saying compelling. I'm like, hey, man, are you active on LinkedIn? Yes. Okay. I'm going to turn on my phone. I'm going to ask you about what we were just talking about. And I take like a two to five minute video. And as soon as that two to five minute video is done, I make a post on LinkedIn about that person, right? So like if I met you in a conference and I'm like, oh, dude, Ali's got this like sick story about becoming a speaker and getting in the world health world, 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 world organization stage, you know, I'll pop it on. You give me, you give me that story. And then I go on LinkedIn and I'm like, I just met the coolest guy, Ali, and I tag you. And I'm like, this is his story. He did this and this and this. This is what you can learn from it. Here's the video, right? And what's, wow. happening, on, and what's happening on LinkedIn right now is that most people are not putting content on LinkedIn. Like they're just kind of like using LinkedIn to like stalk and send and send direct messages and, and, and like the way that recruiters used to use it. But now LinkedIn is performing like 2014 Facebook. So if you put a video of somebody up there, um, all of their friends are going to see it because they want you doing that. So every time that I do that, everybody else's network that is on LinkedIn sees their friend. They're like, oh my God, there's a video of my buddy Derek. And they just, I just did this with a guy called Derek. Um, 
and they see it and they're like, yeah, Derek is the best. Derek's the man. And half of those people will like reach out to me and be like, you know, like I, I now start seeing all of them land on my profile. I now connect with them. Right. Like I now, I now have more people coming into my sphere that are just like, I like what this guy's doing. He's values based. You know, he's, he's out there promoting other people, not just himself on LinkedIn. And he thinks that my buddy who I really like is awesome. Right. So, so on LinkedIn, it's just that simple, right? Like as long as if, if you are out there connecting with people, make content about them, put it on LinkedIn, tag them, you're doing the world a favor, right? Like you're helping him, that person, her, him or her grow their LinkedIn profile. And you're also getting a bunch of eyeballs from everybody that's in their audience mm. on Facebook, man. So I think Facebook groups are really valuable, right? Like that's, that's, that's what I've been doing a lot for companies is, is starting this like Facebook group. So you the tactic on a corporate level is what I just told you, right? Like figure out, like take inventory of what your clientele and people that you want to get close to need and figure out how to serve that and then create videos that have to do with that so that they can, and, and, and call people to a Facebook group where you're going to show those videos all over your platforms. But every week inside that Facebook group, there's a Q and a about the video and from the head of the company or whoever else that they would want to talk to inside that company. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you, and then you repurpose that. Um, I use zoom a lot, right? Like one, one client I go into, I, I, I do a lot of, I, I have my Calendly link, right? And I send people my Calendly whenever they want to, they want to hook up with me, just like you did for the podcast. But I just have regular ones where when people are calling me, asking me for advice, I'm just like, Hey man, is it cool? Can we do it for zoom? And I'm going to record it so that when you say something intelligent and you have a breakthrough about the advice that I'm giving you, I can now post that for you and then tag you and people start getting to know you for this thing that you're trying to figure out. Right. Mm -hmm. So recording your zoom calls and then taking those like three, four minutes of brilliance from the other person, not from you, from the other person. And then sharing that like, dude, this guy just called me about this. And I think he's going to do really well because of this just wow. promoting people right it's like to me it's it's the kingmaker thing right like it's better to be a kingmaker that's what i was waiting for you yeah. to see yeah. Pablito. Yeah, you know, we discussed this about that we were talking about that all <laughs> through the mastermind like you were telling me about like oh like connect with pablo but nah, let me just call it kingmaker that's more appealing i was like dude first of all they're both really sick but connect Pablo has this sort of novelty sort of feel to it. Kingmaker has also an- another novelty feel to it, but you know, it depends on, they're both sick names. So go for yeah. it. But I, I want, I, I was like, listen, is Pablo going to say this on the show? Like right now? It's of course. Gonna- of course. I mean, it's my whole philosophy, right? It's yeah. better to be a Kingmaker than a King. Cause everybody wants to be a King. So everybody needs to know a Kingmaker, right? Like you can either compete with everybody trying to be a King, or you can be the guy that everybody's trying to get in front of. I don't mean to cut this conversation, but I'd love to get you involved. Text our Q a phone number now at plus one six four seven three seven zero two six six three that's plus one six four seven three seven zero two six six three me and pablo will be answering all of your questions shortly about community building around any of the concepts that we have shared today feel free to get in touch with us and let's get back into this show yeah. so so that's the philosophy, man. There, there is no one tool. It's just a mindset of not being the star of the stage, but being the stage, right? If you can put people on, that is the greatest way to be most valuable for everybody else. So as long as you can keep that in mind and everything you approach, it's like you say, right? You have, it's with empathy, man. Like you need to be thinking about what the other person means, what the other person is thinking, mm-hmm. and you need to create content or you need to, or, or you need to amass value around that. There's a great saying that I heard from Dean Graziosi that it's, you never start a conversation with anybody. You simply enter a conversation already going on in someone else's head. Approach everything like that, right? Like it doesn't matter what you're trying to say. What matters is what's going on in that person's head and you got to catch up to that before you can deliver your message. And that works for communication, which is the basis of connection, which is the basis of business development, which is the basis of everything else. Can you repeat that quote again? Never start a conversation with? You never actually start a conversation with anybody. You simply join a conversation already going on in someone else's head. Yeah, I'm writing that down. I love that, man. When he said that, I I heard him say that at Funnel Hacking Live and it just blew my mind that I haven't shut up about it. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a breakthrough. Um, So now that we've sort of, I think we've touched based on many, many, many points. I'll I'll, I'll open the floor to you before we head into the fireball segment. 
Um, and feel free to just uh, feel if we haven't touched on anything, if we haven't spoken on anything, you'd like our audience to kind of know about, you know, the show. And I, I actually actually have one thing because the show's called Empathy Always Wins. Yes. And typically, like, I want to touch on something that is highly empathetic, but I, I believe that you've kind of in the root sense of everything you've talked about there was the, the common theme of empathy, whether it's approaching someone or making them look like a star. And here's the thing, you can do that inauthentically, but it shows and that's not empathetic and it really becomes a bomb other than a, 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 a moment of uh, a, a moment of giving back, you know? And I think that it's so important to differentiate that all the advice that you're giving, you cannot implement unless, like successfully, unless you actually deploy emotional intelligence and, and, and highly care about the person right in front of you. Because if you're like, if you're evidently trying to share someone to make yourself look good, like this person actually turned off, this person could, 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 could this, this person could actually tell you that you don't want that to be. And that yeah. you, 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 you can, you can ask yourself, well, why? Well, didn't Pablo say that this, this is going to work? So again, all this info that we've spoken about is only effective at its maximum capacity when you actually are very caring and deploying empathy and deploying emotional intelligence with the way you ask that person, would you like to come on a Zoom call? Because I believe that if you said something, it's it's very important that we capture that for your own benefit and for our benefit, that we know that our conversation yielded the maximum returns uh, w- with regards to time. That That's something that could work. But like, it's, I, I just wanted to touch base on that because Yes, the show's called Empathy Always Wins. And all what we've talked about only works when that is highly put in, in action. And I'd just leave the floor for you if, if you'd like to touch on any of the common themes on our show. No, you're right, man. I, I think the key to it, and Gary Vee talks about this a lot, it's having zero expectations, right? Like if you, if you, are, if you are doing something for someone because you're expecting something right in return, that's not, that's not really what we're talking about here. It, it, it is having a, a, a genuine want to serve, right? You, you need to serve and not have that immediate expectation in return. I am not talking about re- direct response marketing. That's not who I am, man. I tell people that I'm a world-class opener and a mediocre closer because I just really don't care about closing that loop. I just care about really the more people that you help, the more, pe- the more your legend is going to grow. And yeah. you have to think about it that way. We're playing a long game, man. Like we're, yeah. I'm 39, dude. I, the chance that I live a whole nother lifetime of everything that I've done right now is pretty high based on ba- based on the fact that I'm a healthy guy and that life expectancy keeps going up. So I'm only halfway there. And you can't burn bridges. You can't expect stuff short term. You need to really be in this thing, understanding that we're playing this infinite game. Like it doesn't start and end. So be of service, right? Like there is there is the whole and 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 Aubrey Marcus said this a really good way, right? Like when you are there to serve, then you can have a Spartan mentality. Right, like mm. Spartans were famous for being fierce warriors because they would go to war thinking that if they die, it's the best outcome possible. Right, so that way you can be a real warrior, man. Like you can go into war, and if something happens, you die, you get carried out on your shield as a hero. If not, then you win the war. Right, so if you have that mentality of just like I'm just putting it all out there, I am, I am here to serve. I'm a Spartan about it, and if something goes wrong, I get carried out on my shield. Then what the fuck do you have to lose, man? Yeah. You know, you just got to care about other people, man, and you got to serve. Figure out your value. Understand how that helps other people. Get to know other people's values. Put that on a platter. Rinse and repeat, man. Just keep mm-hmm. doing that, and it works. Like you just can't you you can't expect it to be like oh, okay. Well, I just did a little video with this guy, and now he uh he won't introduce me to uh uh Gary Vee because he's a jerk. It's like that's not that's not how it works, man. If you if you serve enough people with what you're doing, you're gonna get to where you're at. But the moment that you start getting desperate, the moment that you start thinking why is the world doing this for me, that's when you lose. Yeah. Love this. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you ready for the fireball segment? Bam, 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 bam. I'm ready, bro. All right. Let me just set my timer to one minute. This is like a very, right. very, very raw way we're doing it. But this is how it works. I like to add some spice to the show. All right. Let's do it. All right. Um, all right. Pablo, what is your biggest fear? Oh, man. My biggest fear is to not 
reached my potential, man. To, to die a schmuck. Your favorite book? My favorite book is has to be oh, it's Huck Finn, man. Like I like I, I consider myself a thirty nine year old Huck Finn. Your biggest role model? My biggest role model is my dad, man. But the guys, one thing that annoys you. Number one thing that annoys it's a fireball me. Fireball segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when people have bad table manners, bro. Money or me. fame? Money or fame? I want fame. Song that best describes your life. Ah, uh, man. Uh, I would say uh, fun, man. My life's fun. Favorite food. Favorite food is uh, the arepas that I made for you. Hey, hey, I like that. Favorite color. I don't really have a favorite color, man. I guess I, I guess I could go with blue. All right. This actually ends our fireball segment. <laughs> I'm sorry to cut you off there, but no, that was good. I wanted to like have a very, very fast round. And, okay. But I, I wanted to get one more question in, and that is what is your favorite genre of music and who's your favorite artist? Because I know you're into ECPC, bro. Hip hop and Outcast, bro. Like I, uh, Outcast is the Beatles to me, man. Wow. I love those guys. And like I, you know what I've realized lately that people associate Outcast with like Hey Ya and uh, and and the uh, and the Love Below and Speaker Box albums. Go listen to AT Aliens and Aquemini, man. It's Outcast's second and third albums. It is the two best albums of hip hop ever created, man. You can listen from beginning to end, and every single song is fire. Mm. And I can rap about ninety percent of it. <laughs> Talk about your the rap that, that you put on 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 on, on your uh, yeah. on your episode one, which is really 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 awesome. Yeah, yeah it's actually episode seven. It's but, seven, seven. But it's the reason why I launched my podcast, right? So my podcast, yeah. Chief Executive Connector, is something I've been thinking about for like three years, right? Because like I love you know I love I love talking to people and whatever. Um, oh, I can but, tell you're good. <laughs> you're good at it too. You're Thank good you. At it. Thank you. But I hadn't done it, man. And um, earlier this year, last year, I was listening to Logic and his Young Sinatra 4 album. And the last song in that album is called Last Call. Mm. And it starts off with this like jazzy hip hop beat. And as soon as it hits, he's just like, man, as soon as I heard this beat, I knew it was some Last Call shit. And ever since I saw Kanye do it, I wanted to do one and then J. Cole do one. So I'm like, man, I'm going to do one. And, <laughs> and, and he goes into this, he goes into this like rapping and storytelling and rapping and storytelling and rapping and storytelling motivational speech thing. And when he said, when he called out Kanye's, right? Like in Kanye's first album, College Dropout, his last track is called Last Call. And he did the same thing, not as complex, right? He just kind of like rapped and then he told the story of getting his first record deal. So Logic took it to another level by going back and forth into the record deal and going into this like motivational speech about like being happy and everything you have, you, you got it, man, and you don't need anything else. And that just really touched me. I was like, man, I've listened to Kanye's last call a thousand times. I've now listened to Logic's 10 times. You know, I want to do one for me. So I was just thinking that 2019 was such a crazy year, man. Like I left that software company. I started from zero. I took a 90 day purposeful pause to just like figure out where I want to be in 10 years. I booked these like four conferences. I met like 500 new people. By like June, I got my first client. And by the end of the year, I had six clients and I had 11 grand in recurring revenue and had a full grown business, man. So I was just like, dude, if there's something to do a last call about, I want to do my 2019 last call. And I got that, I got that idea early November and I'm just like, dude, I'm going to do this. So wow. I, I, yeah. So I reached out to my buddy, Billy, who's a musician and he's more, more of my best friend. And, um, and I'm like, dude, can you put me a beat together? And he, and, and he just kind of like put this beat together, but it was kind of like too funky. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't like hip hop jazz. And uh, after a couple of revisions, I felt bad, but I had already like been down the path, right? Like I had already like written out my intro. I had already written out parts of my rap, doing it over Kanye's beat. And I'm just thinking, man, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And like early December, this dude on Instagram starts following me called Monitor Beats. I check him out and it's like awesome beats that I really like that sound just like it. So I DM him. I'm like, dude, I'm working on this project. I describe it. I send him like Logics and Kanye's last call. I send him my rap. And I'm like, you think you can help me out with something like this? And in like 72 hours, he put the beat together. So as soon as that was done, I was like, fuck if I'm going to release this thing, I just can't release this thing into nothing. I got to release this thing into some kind of receptacle. So I got to get my podcast started, man. So I, I, I hey. launched, yeah. So, so I launched like six Smart. podcasts. Right. Cause I had a bunch of like back content and I had, I had a good like meetings lined up. So I create, I, I, I interviewed um, a guy in my network that was uh, in the nineties. He was the youngest guy to ever take a company public. I interviewed, another guy that had like started a bank without any experience in 2009 and had just sold it. 
Um, I interviewed my dad about his career and then a couple of other strategic people that were just really, really compelling. So I released like six episodes and then December 31st, I released my 2019 last call, man. And wow. uh, yeah, it ended up awesome, dude. I, so, so I had to be, I had like, you know, the rap written and I had the intro done and I just had to, I had to spit. So I just booked a studio December 27th. I showed up and like, it just took me like five or six takes to get it all the way through. And that ended up being this like epic 15 minute, like talk, rap, talk, storytell, motivational speech that I did. Yeah. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, you yeah, made yeah. me listen to it at, 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 at your place in Asheville. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love what you're about, Pablo. I I I I'm not just saying this because we're on the show. I mean, I genuinely mean it. You know what I mean? You know um, the feelings mutual, bro. Yeah. So let's hop into the reflection segment because we have like two more segments. If you could go back in time, and I know personally uh, that that could be a like a one for the but if you could go back in time, what's one thing you would tell to your 15 year old Pablo? Oh man, I would say lean into the things you love doing mm. right like i i i always loved acting and drama and my mom always <laughs> discouraged it right like my mom really discouraged it my mom's like no man that's for gay people you can't be doing that wow. and um and uh now i realize that this whole thing right right like everything that made me like that is what is what makes people like me anyways right so mm. um by the time, you know, my early 20s, I was a really shitty networker. Like I told you, I was just like this guy that was like very transactional. And I didn't realize that just being myself is, is really where it's at. And so just lean into your true authentic self. Right. That, um, that, that leads us into the legacy segment. Um, in a hundred times, in a hundred years, sorry, what would be the title of your, uh, of your book? And if you had a foreword, who would you want to write that? And what would be written on the back matter of the book? So, title of your self, 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 um, self-titled book. Uh, who would write your foreword? And what would be written on the back matter? I'd say the title would be something along the lines of "Community is Everything," or right. "Value the Other." Mm. Right. I mean, my, my foreword would have to be Gary Vee. Because he's really the guy that, like, when I, when I came across him, like, he was the first ever alpha guy that was really talking about the way that you make it is by, is by being kind and by, and, and by doing things for other people and empathy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that really was a major validation point for me because I never had seen that example anywhere else. And what was the last part, the last part of the book? The back yeah. matter. The last part of the book is... is going to be that Ralph Waldo Emerson quote saying every man I meet is in some way my superior and then that I can learn from them and then it would say if you take this quote to heart that means that everybody around you is an asset because they have learned something you haven't learned so every time you walk into a networking event or a conference you're walking into a library of information everybody that you build into your network and everybody that you have access to is your own private Google and if you can get really good at understanding the value of other people instead of seeing them as a threat, then you're going to be able to accomplish anything. And in this book is the keys to do that. Boom, bro. I just thought of that right now, bro. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pablo, it's uh, at least to say it's a pleasure, man. It's absolutely a pleasure. Pleasure is mine, my friend. Um, any last remarks? The floor is yours. I love you, bro. Ali, I, 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 like I told you, man, I think you're going to incredible places. I can't wait to watch your journey, man. I hope to, I hope to be a valuable part of that journey um, from here forward. Hopefully already what we've done helps. But man, I'm your number one fan, dude. So whatever you need, man, I'm with you. I really like the, likewise, I mean, uh, first time in LA, I meet you. Then we go to Orlando. I don't know. How the, coast hell, coast, bro. Coast coast. How, how the hell we bump into each other yeah i mean yeah we don't we do podcasts but like the likelihood that you vibe with someone in one place you go back to another place and you meet them and, and you were just on a whatsapp call with them three days ago and you never even mentioned that there was this orlando game i didn't even mention it 
and like boom you just meet someone and they're like okay this isn't fate let's actually like actually sit down and talk and we didn't just sit down and talk you came to my airbnb and then you're telling me about this mastermind thing you're putting together and how you're a little bit anxious because it's something that means a lot to you and i was like yeah. dude i want to come support and i want to be there and i want to learn and i want to just be a part of it can i and you were like dude what it's just in three days are you sure that was, was like, amazing bro yeah dude, and, and honestly if it wasn't for coronavirus you probably wouldn't have been able to get like a 200 dollars round trip ticket from toronto to oh yeah to toronto dude, to everything made sense the universe yeah. made yeah. sense uh, that whole point is like when things are meant to be they are meant to be show up full and open and on that note i just like to end our episode with pablo gonzalez thank you so much man i love you to more and above and beyond. Thank you. I'll be back, bro. What a hell of an episode with Pablo Gonzalez, or as I call him, El Pablito. Please feel free to let us know how you thought of that episode on at Empathy Always Wins on Instagram, or please feel free to text me or Pablo any specific questions and we will get back to you. Finally, Please note that due to the coronavirus, which is when we are actually releasing this episode, we will be increasing our weekly episodes to two, just because I truly believe this is a time where we can harness this incredibly difficult, challenging global climate with the virus and implementing better and more effective strategies where we can learn and harness our change-making efforts and becoming the best leaders that we can be for our future and our generation for tomorrow. Without further ado, please feel free to sign up to our weekly Changemakers Leadership Guide. This is where you will never get to miss an episode of Empathy Always Wins. We will see you very shortly this week. New episodes come out Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern time. Please stay safe, guys. And just remember that in life and in business, real care and empathy always, always wins.